Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Tom's Hardware Show. It is Thursday, February 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And today we are talking about the RTX 3050. And maybe we have a few other topics in store for you if we have time. Uh, before we get started, though, let's roll the intro. Hi, everyone. Uh, so this is the Tom's Hardware Show. As you can tell from my uh, slides over on my uh, right-hand screen, we have some charts to show you, but why don't I put those away for now? Uh, joining me today uh, is Jared Walton, Senior Editor for Tom's Hardware, who has recently looked at two models of the RTX 3050. How are you doing, Jared? Oh, doing good. I've got a third model that just arrived today, too, from Asus, but yeah, uh, you told it's not me even that. unpacked. <laughs> What is the, I actually, I want to ask this question later because the, the charts that you sent me are for the Zotac model, which is an overclocked model that costs so much money, more so than the MSRP for a 3060, which is super curious to me. I know these prices are all bonkers and BS, uh, but before we get into that, uh, any like thoughts on the 3050 overall, Jared? I mean... Like the market's so messed up, it, you kind of have to wait and see where it settles down. I said in the reviews, like the 2060 is still slightly faster than the 3050, as is the RX 5600 XT, as is the RX 6600. You know, there's a lot of cards that are in this same kind of price category that are faster than the 3050. So logically, the 3050 can't cost as much as those cards. So the 2060 on eBay right now goes for like around $500, maybe 525. Same with the 5600 XT, same with the 6600, which is a little interesting. I think that's because of the cryptocurrency mining factor. Like miners are willing to pay more for the 192-bit bus that you get on the 2060 and the 5600 XT, whereas the RX 6600 has a 128-bit bus. And that's... Oh, God. Oh, I was going to say, and that's what the, the RTX 3050 has as well. It's a 128-bit bus, has 8 gigabytes of memory, so it's got lots of memory, but because Ethereum mining and mining in general are often pretty bandwidth-intensive, that means you get two-thirds of the performance of, like, a 2060. That's actually curious to me that you brought up AMD's cards because uh, I'm not an expert in the you know mechanics of how to actually mine. We can talk about that later. I, I have thoughts on the politics, but um, uh, I thought that AMD cards weren't as popular among miners as NVIDIA cards. Uh, so it varies depending on the model. In fact, it's, it's kind of funny because the previous generation 5000 series in some cases is better than the 6000 series uh the well maybe not better but similar so like the 5600 sorry 5700 xt has a 256 bit memory interface gddr6 memory i believe that the memory is clocked at 14 gigabits per second the 6000 series the navi 21 gpus so that's the 6900 xt 6800 xt and 6800 they're also a 56-bit memory interface, but it's clocked at 16 gigabits per second. So they're a little bit faster. Maybe Infinity Cache helps a tiny bit. Uh, basically, the AMD cards after tuning 
the the Navi 21 GPUs, they all land at around 63 to 65 megahash per second on Ethereum. The 5700 XT after tuning, I think that was around 55 megahash. So it's only a little bit slower. And in theory, it costs a lot less. In practice, prices have kind of stabilized. So it's like you just look at the, the megahash per second and you can almost predict what the price will be. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Uh, so we've reached about five minutes in. We have some uh, viewers starting to show up. A few hellos. Um, but the reason I want to bring this up is to remind everyone that we are taking your questions. So if you have any questions, uh, put them in the comment box below and we will address them as they come up. Um, and I do have one question that's always uh, fun to get because uh, you mentioned you were getting so many models. Are reviewers getting more inventory than stores? What's it like living in GPU kingdom? Yeah, Paris? I mean, it's funny because like in the past, you know, new cards come out and AMD and NVIDIA almost always provide us with one sample GPU. And then the add-in board partners, they might, you know, one or two might reach out and say, hey, will you review ours as well? And as we'll see in the benchmarks, you know, there's a reason why it's like, okay, the first article does a lot of traffic. The second article is like, yeah, we've already seen this. Right. And then the third article, fourth article, if you do extra reviews, kind of everyone goes, hey, it's a 3080 or hey, it's a 6800 XT. Like, what's the big deal? And so it kind of gets a little a little ludicrous. But what I do know from experience is that when I reach out to everyone and say, hey, AMD's got a new GPU coming or NVIDIA's got a new GPU coming and we want to get samples in for testing. If it's like a 6900 XT or a 3090, You'll get a couple responses if you're lucky. When it's a $250 card, then all of a sudden people come out of the woodworks and they're like, yeah, we'll send you a card. I mean, I, I want to say I had like five 1650 cards sent to me back in the day. All that same week, I'm like, okay, I can't review all of these, but uh, yeah. This is actually a good question. I don't want to talk inside baseball too much. Um, but do you get to keep the cards or return them after reviewing? Uh, I think this is interesting because some of our tech we do have to return, but uh, keeping cards on hand can be useful for future testing, right, Jared? Right. And so I always try to keep at least one model of everything. And preferably, I like to have the reference clocked model. So sometimes you don't get that. You know, I've got like a, I think I've only got a single 5600 XT and it's slightly overclocked. Uh, I don't have that many 3080 or 3090 cards or 3080 TI cards, but others, you know, the lower end, sometimes you get more of them. I always try to keep one around, uh, but, you know, most manufacturers don't want them back. They don't, or they don't ask for them back. There are a couple that do. I won't name names, but there's some that are like, yeah, we want to get that back so we can send it on to the next reviewer. I'm like, how would that be to be that reviewer that's like three weeks after the launch? Yeah, oh, hey. <laughs> I um. so I used to cover a lot of our laptops. Now I'm covering a lot of our peripherals and laptops. We almost always send them back. Peripherals, uh, we usually don't. Companies don't ask us to. It's really a matter of like cost benefit. Is it worth the, uh, the shipping and, and the hassle? And uh, will we need it for future testing? But uh, yeah, we're not doing this uh, this job for free tech on hand. It, it's always for for work that we get these things in. 
Yeah, I've got I've got more GPUs than anyone really should, um, but that's part of my job. And you know, if I left Future, if I left Tom's Hardware, they'd have to be shipped on to whoever the next GPU where re GPU reviewer happens to be. So great. Uh, so I do want to get into the specs, but while we're looking at user questions, I'm not sure what this is comparing it to. I think you were talking about bus earlier, but they asked Navi are the same. Yeah, I, are you talking about like there's first generation Navi 1X and there's Navi 2X. The RX 5000 series is the 1X. The RX 6000 series is the 2X. The Navi 2X stuff has higher clocks and infinity cache and generally a lot better performance in games. For cryptocurrency mining, it still largely follows your memory bandwidth. So, you know, the if you've got a wider bus at a higher clock speed, you'll get higher Ethereum hash rate. If you have a narrower bus like the RX 6500 XT, it's a terrible mining GPU because it's a 64-bit bus. And so, you know, AMD was like, yeah, that's gonna be the savior of this card because miners aren't going to want it. But I'm like, yeah, except GTX 1650, 1650 Super, RX 5500 XT, four gigabyte, they all have four gig gigabytes of memory as well. They're all still selling out because miners grabbed up as many of the high end expensive fast mining cards as they could get, but there's still a demand from gamers and there have been shortages for the past year and a half. Thank you, Jared. So I feel bad because I keep asking you to be on the show over and over again, just because you've been looking at so many things, but you did bring up the uh, 6500 uh, XT there. Um, and, and we looked at that a couple weeks back. Uh, it's got a 199 MSRP. We generally did not like it. Now we have the RTX 3050. You looked at a model from EVGA that was just $50 more, 250. And you looked at a Zotac model uh, that we have charts for today uh, that is uh, $400, huge step up in price. Uh, so let me pull up these charts. Uh, again, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable calling this a budget card quite so much as a 6,500, um, especially because you know they're not going to be selling at whatever price they say they're selling at. But as an, another low-end card, how do you think this compares to AMD's offering? I mean... If you're comparing a $250 3050 against the $200 6500 XT, the NVIDIA card walks all over it. It's not even close. It's like 30 to 50% faster at 1080p. It can legitimately run 1440p at ultra settings. Like it's not getting 60 frames per second, but it's still getting 30 to 40 frames per second. The 6500 XT, it's like it can do 1080p medium to high settings. As soon as you exceed four gigabytes of memory use for the VRAM, it starts to really struggle. And the Infinity Cache is only uh, 16 megabytes, so it's it's also not going to hold as much data. And then if it exceeds Infinity Cache, you're stuck with the 64-bit memory interface. So it's got like half the bandwidth as a lot of the other budget-friendly cards or theoretically budget-friendly. This, so, uh, this category here that just says RTX 3050 that I'm kind of circling with my mouse. Is that the $250 one? Yeah. So that's the EVGA XC Black. I can hold that up. This is their reference clocked model. Um, Zotac has the Twin Edge OC, which is what I've got. 
And then the regular twin edge, they, as far as I know, they look identical. The only difference is the OC has a 1.7 megahertz overclock on the boost clock. So you see those two. And then I've also got one in the charts that says RTX 3050 Zotac OC'd. That is manual OC. That is not what okay. the reference, what the card runs at stock. The big change there is I was able to boost the memory clock up to 16 gigabits per second instead of 14. And, you know, that's like a 14% increase. And in games that provides roughly overall, it was about 10% faster. I also boosted the, the uh, core clocks, I think 200 megahertz. So, you know, a pretty decent overclock all told. That's kind of the high water mark for what I expect you'll see from 3050 cards. Like the, the highest factory overclock probably won't match that card. And so it's it's the charts just to show like no matter how good the twenty uh, the thirty fifty is, it's not going to beat a thirty sixty. It's not even going to come close. Gotcha. So I wouldn't normally like to compare the thirty fifty to the sixty five hundred. I just feel like I'm at a movie theater and I'm buying a Coke, and they're like, "Well, for you know." 50 cents more, you can get a large. It's like if I'm already spending $200 and I can spend an extra $50 to get almost double the FPS here. Well, this is at 1080p Ultra. So so at 1080p Ultra, and if we flip through the individual game card charts, you will see cases where the the game clearly uses more than four gigabytes of memory. So like Far Cry 6, I think, kind of varied a little bit over time. So if you did, if you ran it 20 times, you would typically get like half of the runs would be what I show in the charts. And then half of the runs would be awful. Uh, and it was like, I don't know, it's, it's struggling to figure out what to do with the amount of VRAM it has if you don't have at least six gigabytes for 1080p ultra. So I took the kind of best case or better case scenario on all the four gigabyte cards. But then if you go to, I think, Forza Horizon 5. Now that one, you can see all the four gigabyte cards clumped at less than 30 frames per second. It uses probably eight gigabytes of VRAM and it legitimately uses close to that much. So, you know, you can allocate eight gigabytes, but only really have the game using six gigabytes or whatever. Uh, I guess the six gigabyte cards don't do too bad here. But you can see that the four gigabyte cards all really struggle. And that's because it it legitimately is having to pull data over the PCI Express bus, which is an order of magnitude slower than having the, the data in the GDDR6 memory. Gotcha. Uh, so for the RTX uh, 3050, uh, I know that you also look, the Zotac reaches $400. The RTX 3060, I believe the MSRP, and again, you're not going to get it at that, but you know, you might not get the Zotac at $400 either. It's like 329 if I remember yes. off the top of my head correctly. So right. is it, why would you get the Zotac as opposed to the RTX 3060, which is more powerful and costs less? I mean, the, the only reason you would get it right now is because maybe you can. Like if you go to your Best Buy or Newegg or Amazon or, you know, choose whatever store you want to name, even Micro Center, there's a very real chance that you walk in and there is nothing at all on the store shelves. And my guess is like NVIDIA hasn't told me this, but 
I think when they launch their cards, they have an agreement in place with their partners that you must have a reference clocked card that sells for our MSRP. So the Twin Edge sells for 250, the EVGA XC Black sells for 250. I think it's the Asus uh, Phoenix sells for 250. You know, all the brands had like their base model $250 card. And then if you overclock the cards, or not the card, but if you overclock the GPU and you give it a different model, then NVIDIA is like, yeah, you can charge whatever you want for that. And that's where like the XC gaming is $330 instead of $250. The Zotac Twin Edge OC is $400. I think there's an Asus ROG Strix. I'm not positive if it's, a, if it's an ROG Strix, but I remember there was one from Asus that had an MSRP of $480 or $490. You know, maybe it's got some other cool features that people might like, but traditionally you would see like if you went back three years ago to like the, uh, what's a good example, a 2060 launch probably, then you would have the reference clock cards and the base models that would all cost MSRP of $350 at the time. And then Asus and EVGA and, you know, all the other companies would come out with their overclock cards and they would, they would be the same design, but with a small overclock and they would sell for like 10, maybe $20 extra. And then you'd get the extreme versions with the triple fans and the RGB lights all over the place and dual BIOSes and maybe some other extra features that are kind of nice to have. And those might sell for, depending on the model of card, it might be $50 more than MSRP to as much as maybe $200 more if you were looking at like a high-end RTX 2080 Super with liquid cooling, hybrid cooling, right? But that was kind of the extreme, and most of the cards would be within $50 to $100 of MSRP, even on the high end. On the budget mainstream cards, it'd be more like $20 to $40, $50 more than MSRP, or NVIDIA's MSRP, AMD's MSRP. With the market situation being what it is, everything's sold out. There's this huge demand from both gamers and still demand probably from miners. I actually wrote up a an article that will go live on the site possibly today, possibly tomorrow. That's basically the economics of mining in 2022 and looking at it. And it's just like, if you didn't start mining last year on GPUs, like it's a really bad idea to start now. Uh, I'm estimating like yeah, two I to three to, years. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that after we finished talking about the graphics card. Because, you know, these cards, we keep saying, all oh, miners are going to scoop them up. Uh, maybe existing operations, but I would not get into mining right now. It, mining is something you wanted to get into several years ago. Yeah, and I mean... There's optimists that are like, hey, Bitcoin and Ethereum are going down in price. Now's a great time to mine. But I'm like, if you think Ethereum and Bitcoin are going to shoot back up, like forget mining. Just go buy the cryptocurrency. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like a it's, stock yeah, at this yeah. point. You know, it's it's an asset that for the most part you want to trade with the assets that already exist. Yeah. And some people will say, well, there's less risk if you buy the hardware. I'm like, when you're paying the prices that you have to pay for GPUs and ASICs right now, if you're doing Bitcoin ASICs, like it's not risk averse. It's it's still a huge risk and you can also have hardware fail. So I'm like, I don't really think it's it's a great idea to start mining 
if you do mine, like that's that's your choice and that's fine. I don't I'm not gonna try and hunt you down and stop you, but don't be surprised anyone who starts mining now, especially if you never actually get into the black. You know, so it's like, hey, if you want to play games and then mine in your spare time, maybe you can recoup the cost of the card a little bit. But these days, it's like two to three years of 24-7 mining at current rates to recover the cost. And so it's like, well, maybe you eat the power costs for three years and maybe we get another bubble in 2025 and Bitcoin and Ethereum shoot up to, you know, three or four times their current price. And then suddenly you're in the black and everyone's who's saving is happy. But I'm like, you know, that's, that's a Ponzi scheme. That's, that's like, you're, you're hoping for something that really may not happen. And at some point, like, there's just not going to be another cycle. Like every cycle gets broken at some point in the stock world, in the cryptocurrency world, whatever. Exactly. Um, so we have a couple more questions from viewers. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure what this is referring to. Does an RTX 3050 need to be overclocked so it can surpa surpass the RTX 2060? Is 3050 a very light version? Uh, so if we look at the charts here, do we have it? We do have a 2060, um, and it does go above the, the base RTX 3050 that you looked at. Yeah. So flip to... Forza Horizon 5. Okay. So this is a game that used more than six gigabytes. It's one of the few instances where the 2060 was slower than the 3050. Uh, go to Watchdogs Legion, and you can see there the 2060 is again slightly below it. Those are the exceptions. Those are games that very definitely use more than six gigabytes of VRAM, and so the extra VRAM on the 3050 does benefit a little bit. Most games, it ends up going the 2060s way. And so it's the, the 2060 in these charts is the founder's edition. So it's reference clocked. And, you know, you could buy a 2060 or most 2060s that were sold often came factory overclocked as well. So you could boost their performance 5 to 10% through overclocking as well if that's what you wanted to do. So really, I wouldn't compare the overclocked, like the, the manually overclocked Zotac to the not overclocked cards and say, oh, see, it's better. It's more like, no, this is showing what you can get with manual overclocking on most cards, but uh, it's not guaranteed. And nearly every card will at least improve close to that amount, like five to 10%. Gotcha. Um, this is another question here. Uh, 3050, if the price was right, 200 something, uh, it's not going to be that. That's below MSRP. Uh, unfortunately, and you're likely only going to find it above MSRP. But uh, if the price were right, 200 something, would it be worth replacing my current GTX 1650 Super? I wanted to bring this up mostly because of the 6500 XT, which is $200 and is very close to the uh, GTX 1650s that we see here on the charts. But yeah, uh, flip I don't to know the if overall 30... chart. Huh? Flip to the overall chart, the average. like Yeah, the, I don't think the 3050 really belongs in quite that conversation. Yeah, so like the 1650 Super and the, the RX 6500 XT, their performance is very close. Uh, you know, some games might favor AMD a bit. Some might favor NVIDIA a bit. But my kind of, it, it depends on what you want from your gaming experience. I like to think if I'm going to upgrade a card, 
with my own money, not the cards that I test for fun. Um, not fun, but that's a job. <laughs> uh, if I were buying it, I usually would be like, yeah, I really want to double my performance because I can live with, you know, here you see the 1650 super average 40 frames per second. I could probably live with that. And then when it gets to the point where I can't live with it and it's dropping to 30 frames per second, that's where I'd be like, okay, now double or more performance. And right. what can I get? I, especially in this GPU market, I don't know if, you know, going out and putting in all that time and effort and cash is worth it for like five to even 10 more frames. Yeah, I I probably wouldn't upgrade. I mean, especially if you've got something a little bit faster, like the 1660 level cards, I just, I'd wait until you see something better. And at this point, honestly, we may as well wait for Ada Lovelace, the mm -hmm. RTX 40 series and AMD's RDNA 3. They're both supposed to come out this year, probably in the fall. You know, that's the prime time because of the holiday shopping season and Black Friday and all that stuff. But assuming they launch by the fall, I'm like, at this point, you know, we've been waiting for GPU prices to become sensible for a year and a half. So give it another six to eight months and prices hopefully will continue trending down. We tracked an 8% drop on average on eBay from December to January. And that's partly because cryptocurrency profitability has plummeted. And so if that keeps up, miners aren't going to want to grow their operations. They'll probably keep mining, but they're not going to be like, hey, I'm going to buy more cards where the break even is three or four years from now. And that means more gamers will be able to buy cards or gamers won't be able be willing to pay $400 for this card. And so the price will have to come down and eventually you'll you'll get stabilized at lower prices and people will be like, oh, finally, we can actually buy PlayStations and graphics cards and Xboxes again. But they won't be new, Jared. You won't be able oh, to brag about, about them as, as a fashion statement. Yeah, they won't be like just released. You'll be like, hey, you know those PlayStations that Michelle waited in line for and got like last <laughs> year? I finally have my. I I waited 20 minutes. I just, I'm teasing. Uh, I know. Uh, so we, this is a good question, actually. I assume the answer is yes, but uh, do the 3050s have DLSS? And might that be worth uh, getting them for the price uh, 250 versus something like a 6500 or... Yeah. So they do support all the RTX features, including DLSS. If you flip to, let's see, Watch Dogs Legion, Red Dead Redemption 2, and... Uh, and Horizon Zero Dawn. So go back one. There you go. You can see the DLSS score on the 3050. It's the third place. That is with DLSS quality mode. So at 1080p, I really wouldn't want to go to one of the highly higher scaling factors. But 1080p with DLSS quality upscales 720p to 1080p and with the AI enhancements and all that mumbo jumbo. And it looks quite good. It's hard to tell the difference. And you get I think it's like a, what is that? Like a 30% maybe boost, 25 to 30% boost in Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, I can't do the math off, top, off the top of my head, but it's yeah, like it, a couple dozen more frames, looks like. Yeah, it, well, it's compared to the reference clock uh, Zotac card. So you went from 73 to 93 frames per second. Um, if you flip to Red Dead Redemption 2, 
the gains were much lower. We went from 51 to 55 frames per second. It's just not as demanding a game. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion was, again, more of a, a significant jump. You got 10 extra frames per second, 11, no, 10. But that was uh, from 48 to 58. So you're very close there to, to hitting that 60 frames per second. You know, drop a couple other settings a notch and you could get there. Gotcha. I also tested ray tracing games. Like, I didn't send you those. Maybe I should have. Uh, you can look at the full article. But if you are interested in trying out ray tracing, it's still the same story. The 2060 is generally a little bit faster in most cases. The 6500 XT isn't even worth talking about for ray tracing. Like, it just totally failed. Uh, it didn't run two of the six games I tested. Uh, one of them wouldn't even let try the other. Fortnite kept crashing. These were more demanding ray tracing games, but I feel that's fair because, like, if the ray tracing doesn't do a lot to visuals, why enable it? You know, Shadows, I think, is the worst ray tracing where it's like, yeah, they, they look a little better, maybe a little more accurate, but I'm like, shadow mapping with, like, the soft edges effects that we get, like, it looks pretty dang good. I think and the ray tracing that I like the most is, well, obviously there's the lighting, but also, like, the, the place where it's most noticeable to me is in reflections. It's like yeah. if I'm standing in front of a mirror in-game and ray tracing off, it's just like a blank surface. Ray tracing on, it looks like an actual mirror. That's more noticeable to me. Yeah, and so it's like if you have a puddle of water, you can do screen space reflections where they do some math and they take what's on the on the screen here and kind of calculate how it would appear right. on the water, water, add some fuzziness, and and you're okay. But if you have a flat surface, it's like, well, it, it can't it can't show you a reflection without actually calculating your reflection. And so some games will actually basically do a portal. Mm -hmm. and say or a viewport and they say hey i'm gonna do this viewport calculate what the world looks like from there and map that onto that reflective surface and it's very processor in, or, or graphics processor intensive and so you don't want to do that very much and so then you're like oh we got to be careful how many mirrors we put into these areas there's Ray also tracing. the thing where you can just like render the room twice or, or make it twice as big and then you get like easy cheat solutions way back in mario 64 we had mario yeah. running around in a mirror and that's because there was another model on the other yep. side of the mirror which was just more of the room yeah so there's there's hacks you can do but like you have to always work on compromise because you're like well i can't do too much and and it can still look fine but ray tracing reflections are a good one global illumination i mean some people will say global illumination is like that's what ray tracing is supposed to do you're calculating lights and reflections and all these other things that's what hollywood would call it they'd say oh yeah we used global a, a global illumination path tracing algorithm uh, minecraft does do they say path tracing. I still don't feel like that's accurate because the way path tracing and ray tracing work is a little different. And path tracing is like, it's not something you really do in real time on current hardware. And path tracing, you can always just do more paths, cast more rays and get a, a sharper image, but whatever. Minecraft RTX looks quite nice, uh, you know, and, and it takes a game that runs at like, hundreds of frames per second and makes it run at 60. <laughs> so 
If you like ray tracing, if you want to try ray tracing, the 3050 is a better choice than the equivalent AMD cards. I don't if understand Minecraft RTX, Jared. It's such a stylized, you know, it's voxels, but pixely look. I don't know why you need to add realism to that. I feel like that it almost breaks the illusion. It's all the, it's all the lighting effects. Like, it's still blocky, right? But all the glowing lights and stuff, it's it's cool. I mean, the fire does look kids. a lot better. It's just I'm the type of person where I would rather have frames, but I guess maybe that type of game you don't need frames. I, I switch back and forth between having it on and off when I play with my boys. <laughs> How much does it tank your uh, your distance view? Because that's the big thing with Minecraft. Yeah. I had to adjust, adjust a lot. So when you turn on ray tracing, like default, I think with the traditional render is a 32 chunks rendering distance and you can crank that up to like 96 or maybe even 192 i'm not sure what the maximum is off the top of my head with ray tracing enabled the default is eight chunks and you can crank it all the way up to 24 chunks so it really does okay cut that's the, not the view horrible distance down if you yeah. uh if you have a pc that can run that 24 chunks and and if you're doing the max out view distance even without ray tracing what you discover is there's so much data that it would have to load in that often you're looking and you're not really seeing any of the distant stuff loaded yet because it hasn't calculated it and pulled it into memory. Well, I know that uh, the age range in our demographic is very interested to hear about Minecraft. Um, but uh, Some of have, them might have kids. <laughs> we have another question about the RTX 3050. Does this have resizable bar support? Yes, it does. And so that's another difference between the AMD RX 6500 XT and this. Not that they both have rebar support, but the 6500, like AMD cut that down to a four lane PCI Express interface. This is still a full 16 lane interface, PCI Express Gen 4. So, you know, you don't get as many of the penalties as you would see with like the 6500 XT. Like I tested the 6500 XT on my old 9900K test bed where it was limited to PCI Express 3.0. And I tested it on the new behind me, uh, this side, uh, 4.0 Alder Lake system. And there was a 25% drop in performance in Borderlands 3 at medium detail. And that was presumably because of the PCI Express bus, like it, it affected things a lot. Um, I did not see anything like that with the GTX 1650 Super or the RTX 3050. Like the, the differences are pretty dang minor. At 1080p medium, the difference is more because the Alder Lake system has a faster CPU and can maybe render a few more frames per second if the GPU is fast enough. Gotcha. Uh, thank you for covering me while I drink some water there. Uh, so <laughs> I do... I want to shift topics a little bit. I know we were going to talk about crypto earlier and profitability, but I think you did a pretty good job of, of covering that. So definitely, if you didn't get to address anything that you wanted to address, uh, feel free to hop in. But you also brought up something interesting about waiting for you know the 4000 series later in the fall. Maybe that will see you know prices drop. Um, and I also have a viewer question, uh, Intel Arc in three months. So I know, what do you, where do you Fingers see crossed. graphics cards going uh, this year? So Intel Arc is going to be really interesting to see what actually happens. 
you know, there's rumors that the base model arc will cost $200 and compete against the 6500 XT and 1650 Super. You know, that's that's kind of a low ball target. And I hope Intel can at least match that because otherwise, like, that would be really bad. The top of the arc stack, you know, so the, the base model is either 96 vector engines. They're not execution units anymore they're called vector engines same same term basically but intel just changed their nomenclature uh so there's a 96 execution unit or vector engine model there's a 128 vector engine model in shader cores you multiply that by eight to get the number of gpu cores so you have i think it's 768 and 1024 shade, uh, gpu cores you can check my math later. Uh, that's the base model. The top of the stack goes up to 512 vector engines and 4,096 shader ALUs, arithmetic logic units. And that's what we refer to as a GPU core. It's, it's not a core in the traditional sense of like a CPU core, does a whole lot of stuff. A GPU core is really like just a tiny piece of a, of a CPU core that's focused on graphics workloads. Anyway. 4,096 shaders. I think that it might be able to match like the 3060, maybe even a 3070, you know, up in that RX 6700 XT range. We'll see. Wow. And drivers are going to be important. Drivers are going to be very important for Intel. If their drivers have flaws and don't run all the games out of the box, like that's going to hurt. But at the same time, price is going to be a big thing too. Miners shouldn't be picking up these cards, at least not in a large quantities, because the software isn't even written for these GPUs yet. And I so, wasn't expecting you to to make a comparison <clears throat> to the 3060, 3070. I was uh, expecting this to be a much lower end card. Well, that's, that's I think, the high water mark. <laughs> like, it, it could get there. Like, if you look at it, um, the clocks are supposed to be high, just like AMD. So we're talking like 2.5 gigahertz clocks, potentially. And if you look at, like, the the AMD GPUs with 4,000 shader cores, you know, that's like the, the 6700 only has 2560 shader cores. The 6800 has 3840 shader cores. So, you know, if Intel's shader processing units are as capable as AMD's and run as fast. And if they somehow get around, like AMD gets a big benefit from the infinity cache that it put on the, the Navi 2X, the RDNA 2 chips. Intel might have something like that. Like they haven't really said, I don't think they have a big cache, but we'll see. AMD's um, graphics cards also like advertise being able to synergize <clears throat> with their CPUs really well. Um, do you expect that to be the same with Intel Arc and Intel CPUs or? I think that's mostly marketing. Yeah, like, I feel the same way. Like there might be a few instances where you get a few percent higher running an AMD GPU on an AMD CPU versus the Intel. But a lot of that initially was because AMD was the first to add resizable bar support and they called it smart access memory, SAM. Uh, and then everyone else kind of went, oh yeah, well, that's been in the PCI Express spec for a while. We should enable that. So all the Intel platforms from the Z300 series and earlier started getting 
bio support for rebar. And so that kind of got back the five to 7% boost that AMD was seeing. Uh, and it's, it's often up to game optimizations. Intel is the standard better for better or worse. And so games are more likely to use an Intel compiler that targets Intel's architecture. I mean, I, I studied computer science. So one of the funny things at one point was that someone showed Intel's compiler running Intel's optimizations actually performed better. That code performed better on AMD CPUs as well. <laughs> the, the other compilers just aren't quite as up to snuff sometimes. So I think there are cases where AMD CPUs and GPUs paired together give you a slight advantage. Overall, though, it's pretty negligible. And the same goes for, you know, I guess Intel GPUs on Intel CPUs, like their integrated graphics weren't fast enough to matter. Uh, but with Arc, maybe they will be. I Arc is going to be a mobile play though. And I think that's the bigger story is that Intel will be able to better optimize power management and battery life with running an Intel graphics card on an Intel platform. And there I are going that's... to be desktop versions of Arc though, correct? Yes. 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 And so, so that's kind of what we don't know for sure. Like it used to say Arc was coming in quarter one, 2022, and then it changed to coming in 2022, but we know certain models will launch in quarter one. The question is, will they be laptop only? Will they be laptop and some desktop? Will they only be the lower tier? So there's like DG2, dash 128 and DG2-512 are kind of like the the chip names. One has 512 vector engines, one has 128. All indications are the 128 version is pretty much done. They're, they're ramping up production and it will be out in the next month or two. I don't know how much they're doing with the bigger chips because, gotcha. you know, if you can get three or two or three times as many smaller chips out of a wafer and you sell all of those, you you might get better economies of scale doing that than trying to make the faster, bigger chips. So we were talking about um, Intel uh, CPUs coordinating with the GPUs and how that's largely just marketing speak. Um, but do we know a lot about XESS, how that'll compare to DLSS, you know, what the Intel solution will be like? So they hired a guy who used to work for NVIDIA who worked on DLSS is my understanding. Um, you know, if you can't beat them, poach them. Uh, and assuming that all works out, XESS should be fine. It should mm -hmm. look good. But you've still got to do not just the training and creation of the algorithm. You've got to get game developers to adopt that. Right. And, you know, AMD's FSR, it's not DLSS. It's just, it works uh, differently. That's the yeah. It, it doesn't that's how use I'm AI curious about Intel's option. Yeah. So so DLSS and XESS will use an AI based upscaling algorithm, whereas FSR is like just a a upscale and sharpen filter that runs quite fast, but it's not the same thing. It doesn't use tensor cores. It doesn't use, you know, DP4A integer processing on cards that support it, like XESS will. Um, given that 
DLSS has a three plus year head start now, and it's been refined and it's in engines that are widely used like Unreal and Unity. You know, that's a hard thing to make up. You'd have to have something that's really provably better. I hope XES will be comparable and I hope it can gain traction and I hope it runs really well, not just on Intel GPUs, but on AMD and NVIDIA GPUs as mm -hmm. well. Because, you know, that's like the ideal solution is one size fits all. Hey, we can stop worrying about FSR and DLSS. We could all just do XESS and it would be grand. I think that's naive to assume that will happen. Like NVIDIA is still promoting G-Sync over FreeSync or Adaptive Sync. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty much thrown in the towel, but it still promotes G-Sync. And I don't see them quitting on DLSS for quite some time. Right. Well, it sounds like we're starting to get into some really speculative territory here. Uh, so why don't we sort of like go back to harder numbers, things that we know about? Is there anything with the 3050 or with a crypto profitability that you didn't get a chance to uh, discuss yet, Jared? So one thing I have noticed, like we we mentioned in a news post, I don't know how long ago it was, several months back. There's a crypto mining software called NB Miner, and they created a workaround to gain back some of the lost performance on NVIDIA's LHR, their light hash rate, uh, Ampere GPUs. So normally the LHR cards like a 3080 LHR got half the performance of the regular initial 3080. And so it was like, oh, they're trying to make it less attractive to miners. NB Miner then came out with a workaround that they got it back to 70% of the I remember normal that. hash Didn't rate. Didn't they also come up with something where you could like get around that by using the locked out hash rate to mine for a different cryptocurrency? Yeah. So, and it had to be like, the problem is if you're doing one algorithm that's Dagger Hashimoto or Ethereum hash or whatever you want to call it, and then you start running a separate algorithm that's doing a completely different hashing scheme, then they're going to start fighting over cash resources and other stuff. And it's not always a perfect thing. So you got to be careful which algorithms you run concurrently. Uh, I never really bothered looking into that. I, I just kind of took their word for it. But what I was going to say is when I tested the 3050 and... Incidentally, oh, when I tested this big monster, we have it. Yes, this is a this is an MSI Supreme X RTX thirty eighty twelve gigabyte. So it's a thirty eighty Ti, but with fewer cores. It's really weird. But when I tested hash rates on this using the latest drivers, the LHR lock on NB Miner occurred like instantly every time. And I was like, oh. So NVIDIA's updated firmware and drivers on their newest cards seem to roll back the NB minor fixes and we're back to 50% hash rates, which means your cards like this, in theory, at 100% performance, they should probably be able to do around 30 to 35 mega hash per second in Ethereum. Uh, in practice right now, you're getting like 16 to 18 mega hash per second. And yeah, power is low, you know, like 50, 70 watts, whatever. But at the same time, so is performance. And so you go, well, if you're spending $600 on the rest of the PC or $700 even on the rest of the PC, you don't want to use really slow cards. And, you know, hey, I've got six slow cards that equal 
one fast card. That's not like a, a really good. It just good feels like a skating idea. uphill with that. Like yeah. I, I'm going to try starting my mining operation on cards that are specifically built for me not to mine on. It's why add that extra challenge? The reason is to, to cost benefit card stock in theory low. So I, I did run the numbers, uh, not in the 3050 review, but I did them elsewhere. And I want to say like the, the net result of my calculations when all was said and done were that uh, the 3050 ranks way down the list. In fact, in terms of break even time, building a rig with six cards in it, the 3050 estimated break even time is 935 days. The best See case scenario in, in is an years. RX 5700 XT in 521 days. So it's like, yeah, mining on a 3050 would be a terrible idea. And like you, like you said earlier, you could bank on a future bubble happening. But at that point, you're just trying to be the person who's not left holding the bag so that someone else gets screwed over instead of you. Yep. Yeah, if you if you start mining right now, my advice is make sure you pay your power bill every month out of your mining proceeds because there's a good chance that you're going to end up not making a lot of money. Yeah, if and... you can make the mining pay for itself or to recoup the cost of the card a little bit, I think that's a more reasonable way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, people will say, oh, but it's going to go up. And I'm like, we don't know that. We mm -hmm. really don't. <laughs> Well, on that on that lovely note, we are reaching time here. Uh, so I stop mining. <laughs> I think we're going to end the show a, a little bit early. I agree, a hundred percent, Jared. To be honest, uh, I uh, as so an have you seen of the Tom power? Carter, just straight up saying that I agree. I hope I don't get in trouble with that. So, that. so get this: like the the current estimates are that Ethereum's mining network uses a hundred and eleven terawatt hours per year in power like to put that in you know that's 111 trillion watts of power of watt hours per year like it's it's huge amounts of money which is why it has to keep creating new coins to generate right value and, you know, out and people of say oh but if you compare it to the global banking industry it's well yeah but the global banking industry is much larger than crypto is right now. So if you scale crypto up to match it, it's not an even thing. And at least the global banking industry, as as problematic as it is, you know, does things like run ATMs and systems and stuff where people can actually use them for a thing, as opposed to just like making calculations to generate a, a virtual coin that only has value if it takes off and gets attributed to something. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the I mean, it's I don't know what their their worldwide power draws now like ranked quite high in terms of countries power use. <laughs> so the Bitcoin and Ethereum networks are using a lot of power. That's that's the basic end of the story is that there's a lot of power being used that could be put to other uses instead. Exactly. Uh shame, says Raphael Hassel. Uh, hope I hassle. I hope I'm pronouncing that okay. I should. I have a, a German last name. Hassel sounds kind of Germany. But uh, before the producers yank me off stage for talking about uh, crypto in a bit more of an honest light, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and end the show. Thanks so much for joining us, Jared. Um, and we will see you next Thursday 
at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, look forward to it and we'll see you then. Bye everyone. Take care.